Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, my name is Caleb, if we haven't met. No, it's so glad that you're here. Our pastors, senior pastors, Byron and Anne, they send their love. They're on holidays starting yesterday, so they're uh, going to be refreshed. They're actually really cool. They're the only senior pastors we've ever had. And Hira will be 25 years old in April. So just, I've just done a phenomenal job, and we're praying that this holiday is going to refuel them to continue to build highway. So be praying for them in the coming weeks. And um, in the meantime, you're stuck with us, which is a good thing. Um, uh, my, my prayer on this message today is so simple. My heart and my desire behind this whole message is that you'd leave this morning feeling encouraged. That's my one, that's my one job. My one goal this morning is to encourage you that you leave this morning feeling better than you walked in, feeling more confident about this new year, about 2020, and this new decade of the 2020s. Um, So yeah, that's it. I want it to be like a service station, which we may see the end of in this decade, who knows? (laughs) You know, like a fuel bowser, that this would just fuel you up. Maybe a charging station for electric car drivers. We may all be them in the 2020s, but we'll see. I'm going to speak this morning around a very well-known story, and it's in the Bible from Numbers chapter 13. It's when the spies, the the Israelite spies, go into the promised land and spy out the land and bring their report. I'll catch you up at Numbers 13, verse 27. This is the spies giving their report to the people. Then we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the bank of the Jordan. Verse 30. Then Caleb, what a legend. (laughs) He quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So the spies went in, they got sent in, one from each tribe. The 12 tribes made up this nation called Israel. Israel was a nation started by Jacob um, and his descendants. They, They sort of are fresh out of Egypt, out of slavery here, which was funny because Egypt was their deliverance from famine. If you know the story, Jacob, who became Israel, uh, his son, Joseph, does anyone know the story? Coat of many colors? Kimono of many colors? I'm not sure what that is. Camilla of many colors? Um, (laughs) Sorry, that's awkward. Embarrassing, yeah? Um, But they they went to Egypt for deliverance. The land was severe famine, and so Joseph made a way for the Israelites to survive this famine, and the thing that was their deliverance ended up enslaving them. But the worst thing wasn't just the physical slavery because God delivered them out of that. The problem was the mental slavery. They were still second rate. They were still, when they were trying to get to the promised land, they were trying to inherit what God had from them. They were still whinging and moaning, saying, if only we were back in slavery. No, you were a slave and you're not anymore. I think part of the problem was that they needed to change their thinking. So they're out of Egypt, they're free of slavery, and they're there, they can see it, they send the spies in, yet because of a lack of faith, because they didn't believe that God would go through them and and create a way, that they missed the opportunity. 
Their deliverance ended up enslaving them. They, they became slaves in their minds as well. So Caleb stood up and said, let us go and take this. My message this morning, the point of it, is that this Caleb, Caleb Slatcher, which is a weird last name, who agrees? <laughs> like seriously, what, what were they thinking? We say it, Slatcher, as if it's got a CH in it, but it doesn't, if you're wondering. It's like Slater, but the T and the Y are around the wrong way, which is awkward. Again, I wish it was Slater. So it's S-L-A-T-Y-E-R. I don't know why I'm telling you that. (laughs) But my point is that this Caleb, me, would stand here today, hopefully, and give you the same thing that Caleb did in his day. Guys, 2020 is here. We can inherit it. Do you want to? I believe that there's better days ahead. Are we going to walk in them? Or are we going to stay whinging and moaning about the past and how this didn't happen the way we thought? And you don't know what I've been through. Fair call. I don't know. But I believe that God has got more for us. I believe that the best days of the church are ahead of us. I believe that the best days of what God's going to do on our earth is ahead of us. I haven't seen the heights of God working. I haven't seen the biggest outpouring of God in this land yet. Do you believe that? I want to see more of God. Do you? So I'm going to quiet the people. (laughs) And I'm going to say, hey, let's go up and take possession of this year and this decade. This is our year. Do you know how I know that? Well, because you're here. (laughs) And you're alive. Check the pulse of the person beside, beside you. Call an ambulance if necessary. Otherwise, tell them this is your year. It's it, it. You see, as a church, we've been building towards this. This kind of journey that I felt like kind of started in 2017 when we called the year Uncharted, when Pastor Byron and Anne got up here and they called the year Uncharted. And, and it was a scripture found in Isaiah 43, verse 18. Forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. It started then and I feel like we're still about to walk into it today. I'll skip the next few years just for time's sake, but but back to these spies. These spies were sent in the land, and they spied out the land for 40 days. 40 days, I was researching 40 in the Bible, and it's interesting. And A lot of people think that 40, uh, 40 days in the Bible is literally just a manner of speech. That means a long time, <laughs> which is interesting. So they went and spied out the land for a long time. There seems a lot of long times in the Bible, sometimes we read it as like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's like every day, it's like a highlight reel. It's like the Bible, sometimes we read like social media, like their life's better than mine, their life's better than mine, their life's better than mine. But we miss all these in-between moments of just long periods of time, of the mundane, we can call it. In Noah's day, it rained for a long time, 40 days. He waited on the ark a long time, 40 days. Moses spent three lots of long time, 40 days on Mount Sinai, uh, going to God for the people. Goliath taunted the Israelites for a long time, 40 days until David would eventually rise up. Jesus fasted a long time in the wilderness, 40 days. Jesus was here longer than we thought, 40 days from his resurrection to his ascension. So these guys spent a long time in the promised land. They all saw the same thing, yet only two of them had the faith that they could take it. 
You see, some of us, we've had glimpses of a better life. We've had glimpses of a better marriage. We've had glimpses of what family could look like, of what our businesses and what our impact in our community could look like. But some of us, we don't actually go there, not because God hasn't gone before us, not because he hasn't equipped us, not because we don't think he's for us, but we just don't have the faith to step out. They spent a long time there. But a nation listened to 10 bad reports over two faithful ones, faith-filled ones. And they spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They spent the next 40 years wasted. They wasted 40 years. Wait up. I don't actually believe what I just said. (laughs) Even though I've preached it before, 40 years they wasted. I don't believe that. Do you? Because of what I've come to know of God... And when I think about him now, I actually believe that nothing is wasted. I believe that his grace is over me. And even in the toughest times in our life, even in the hardest challenges of our life, it builds a depth and it builds character and it builds something in us. I don't believe that those terrible times in your life are wasted. I I don't believe that. I don't believe the time in the wilderness was wasted because they learned more about who God was, even in their disobedience, even in their lack of faith. We still learn how good God is. His provision was there for them and his provision is here for us. What have you learned from your hard times? Was it wasted? It's only wasted if we don't let it change and impact us and our world. We use our wilderness experiences to encourage others who are going through similar seasons. We can, all of a sudden, we have more empathy and we can... We can feel what other people must be going through because of the tough times that we go through. Our seasons outside of the promise, they build something in us. Jeremiah 29.11, I feel like this is like the token Christian school scripture. I've been in a few Christian schools in my time a lot, mostly after I finished school, in for youth or whatever, and above the blackboard or whiteboard or now interactive whiteboard. A lot of, a lot of them had the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I see hope. Do you? I see hope despite the current circumstance. I see hope despite your current challenge and despite your current point of view. Joshua and Caleb knew that God was for them. Do you believe that? Do you? I believe that God is for us. I believe that is with us. My favorite scripture, legit my favorite scripture, Psalm 27:13, I would have lost hope. New King James says heart, new living hope says sorry. New King James says heart, new living translation says Hope. I would have lost hope or I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My faith isn't a someday faith. It's not just a, oh, one day I'll see God and then I'll be amazed at how good he is. No, no, no. I believe that I'm going to see him at work in my life today. I believe that I'm going to somehow play my part and I'm going to see God use me and use us in our world today. I believe that he's positioned us in our communities. I believe that he's positioned us in our workplaces do you agree? Yes. 
It's us. Even if your situation doesn't change, I believe that you can. Do you believe that? I believe that we can find God anywhere or everywhere. In my message last Sunday night, I I spoke about the wise men, how they were astrologers and they found Jesus by looking up at the stars and and I made a joke about how they didn't teach me that at Bible college, that astrology led to Jesus, which is <laughs> a wild connection that I'm not going to go there. But it's funny that we, can, we see God in everything. The creation and everything in it is His, and we can find God no matter what situation we're in. The psalmist looked up to the mountains and said, hey, God, where does my help come from? Does it come from the mountains? And then he found God, the creator of everything there. I remember finding God in my grief which is a funny place to find him. Not really, because he said, I'm close to the brokenhearted. I'm with those that mourn. I remember being a 13 or then 14-year-old boy, and my brother had just passed away. And I remember this season, and it was like God helped me through it supernaturally. Today, my brother would be 34 today, actually, 5th of January. And I'm stoked. I'm not angry at God because of what he didn't do or what he, how he didn't heal my brother. No, I'm thankful for what he built in my life and the value that I have on life now. I'm thankful for the, the way I can look at people. And man, I have so much grace and so much more empathy for what people go through because of what I've experienced. This place was a land flowing with milk and honey, but they didn't go there because they didn't change their perspective. They chose to look at the negatives. And they let them overweigh the positives. I've been listening to some old Shane Willard messages because semi-recently they've all been put up on Audible. And I'm, I, I like listening to books a lot. And um, I'm a really good listener. I just don't tell my wife. No, I'm joking. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, and one thing is, I've just been, we've been really trying to practice this this year. And, well, this year, we're five days in. But <laughs> it's been hard work. It's been a long slog. Nah. One thing that he really said that stood out to me was he made a decision that he was going to be vague on the negatives and particular on the positives. So anything that was negative, anything that was going to weigh him down, anything that was going to hold him back, he was vague. He was like, yeah, yeah, that's sort of, that's happening. That dude did that. And yeah, whatever, that is what it is. Yeah, today, work, you know. But then he was real particular about the positives. I think there's so much value in celebrating what God has done and being vague about what we haven't seen yet and vague about our negativity because I'm not sure about you, but sometimes my flesh, me, my humanity is attracted to the negative. Like, look, like Dan was just talking about the bushfires, our, car, our country is in crisis. And, and every new article I read, our response is to blame someone and rip someone else down and focus on all these negatives rather than banding together and making a difference. We need to be vague about the negatives and, and particular about the positives. Focus on what we have. Be thankful for what God has already done. Kim and I walked through a season where we were um, trying to have a baby for a while and and the season really gave me a fresh perspective of what people must go through. Before, you're kind of oblivious and you're making jokes like to anyone that's like looks close together, oh, you're having kids yet? You know, now it's like, yeah, kind of inappropriate. If you've walked a journey like that, it's like, oh, man, I have so much grace for, for these people. And, and I only saw a glimpse of it. And what some people go through breaks my heart. 
And, um, but Kim and I had to get to a place where were we enough without the promise that we thought God had given us? Sometimes we spend all our life whinging, oh, if I just had this, if I just had that, if then this and then this. And no, 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 if you're not enough without it, you won't be enough with it. It's like the Bible is like, tells a lot of stories of people that they seeked God for something, they got it, and then they turned their back. I don't want to be one of those people, do you? And it's pretty cool. Now we hold our little honey race. Named partly because of this scripture. Because the promise that God had for us. A land, and now my house is a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a joke for you. But I see hope. I see a future. Do you? I have eyes of faith and I want more faith for the new possibilities and the new opportunities that lay ahead for us this year and this decade. Man, I've been praying into this message and I said I wanted to encourage you. I've been praying for you. I was in my office even yesterday and I was praying over every business in this room. I'm praying over every job opportunity. I'm praying over every family, every marriage, because I believe that God has got more for us. I see a future. You see, sometimes it's easier for us, though, to dream for others and not ourselves. Can I encourage you? It's okay to dream for yourself. It's okay to see a new future for yourself. Part of our future is in our reconciliation, and it's our job and our part to play. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Maybe this is what Jesus alluded to in Matthew 5, 9, where he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers. I want my 2020s, I want them to be ones where I'm a peacemaker. I don't want to just be simply a peacekeeper. I don't want to just keep the peace and walk on eggshells and just know not to go there or not to go here. No, no, peacekeeping is different. Peacekeeping is deliberately bridging gaps to sections of our community that feel ostracized sometimes by us. Peacekeeping is deliberate. It's going over and it's going beyond. It's loving without rules and stipulations and regulations. And even if they don't look or you don't look like me, I choose to peace make, not just keep. I'm not happy with just the way that things are. Are you? I want to be a part of this reconciliation. The future of the church, our future is one of reconciliation. One, us with God. Two, us with our world. And three, our God with our world. The one thing the common our world has is us with God. <laughs> it's us. We're, we're the link. God with us, us with our world, our world with God, do you see a future? Because I do. And it's bright. I'm going to close because we're running long time. 
But could I pray over you? This is what I'm going to pray if you want to be included in this prayer. I'm going to pray that hope would return. That the wilderness isn't your destiny. I'm going to pray over families, relationships. We're going to pray over health. We're going to pray for a future. Eyes to see that nothing is wasted. And in you, God, everything is possible. We're going to pray for fresh opportunities this year. And that God would use us to impact our families and our friends and our communities. If you want me to include you in this prayer this morning, I'd love you to stand. And we're going to pray and we're going to commit 2020 to God afresh this morning. God, we just pray right now. God, we just pray over this year, this fresh year and this fresh decade. God, right now from the very onset, God, we turn our focus to you. God, right now, God, we just ask, Lord, for fresh vision. God, we ask for fresh hope. God, we ask for a future that's bright because of you, Lord. God, we just pray, Lord, over anything in our life, Lord, that we feel we've been outside of your promise, that we've been stuck in the wilderness. God, we hand that over to you. And God, I pray, Lord, that it would equip us, Lord, for the journey ahead. God, I thank you that nothing is wasted in you. God, I lift up every family represented here. We lift up every individual. God, we lift up every household. We lift up every relationship, God. And God, we just pray your hand of blessing, your hand of reconciliation. God, your hand of breakthrough over every single person in this room, we pray. God, we pray over whatever we put our hand to this year. God, we pray over our jobs, our employment. God, we pray over our businesses. God, we pray over our finances. We pray over our households, God. And God, we just pray, Lord, that your blessing, God, would be on us, Lord, so that, Lord, that we could be a blessing. God, we don't just want to be Christians that would hoard up everything that you've given, but God, we want to be ministers of your grace and your blessing to our world. God, we just pray over opportunities this year. God, we pray, Lord, that we would be a church, Lord, that we would be a people, Lord, that would see our world the way you see it. Because you so love the world. Let us so love our world and our community, our neighbours and our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you come, Dan? Thank you.